Hi, good evening. Um, welcome to Perspectives of Change. Uh, we are back this time with yet another amazing speaker. Let me start by introducing what Perspectives of Change show stands for. Perspective matters when it comes to nudging change forward. And we believe that as change agents, our perspective is just one of many. Uh, at Perspectives of Change, we are dedicated to exploring how to nudge change forward by understanding and valuing multiple perspectives. Uh, today at the Perspectives of Change show, we have a very esteemed guest and speaker, Pia Maria. Hi, Pia. Hi there. Hi, everybody. Very nice to be here, Sarika. Good to see we you are, all. We are super delighted to have you with us. Uh, I know it's been a long chase and uh, getting you to be on this show has been a while. Uh, so we are delighted and thank you very much for joining us today. You know, this is the first time I'm home in like two years for more than two days in a row. So <laughs> I've been traveling so much for the last two years and now suddenly, whoop, no traveling for at least five months. This is amazing. It's an opportunity really to kind of tag down, take it easy, invest your time in new learnings and thinking about your future. And, you know, it's really a gift, I feel, in a way. Oh, yeah, and, and there is a backside, please. of course. Of yes, course. There. And I think I've just taken uh, advantage of this opportunity of having you at home in Sweden. So here we are. We have you on our show today. Thank you. So I, I'd like to uh, do a short introduction of, uh, for Pia Maria. I know her for a while now, and we connected uh, with the Management Three Daughter Retreat in person in London, I remember. That's where we oh, met in person, we had some good fun there. And, what is it? Uh, Three years ago, maybe, or four years ago, even. I think it's four years ago. It's it's been a while. You can imagine. Yeah. Really. So yeah, now it's 2020. So yeah, now it's four years. <laughs> a lot has happened. Yeah. Yes. And since then, I think after that, we onboarded journey where you initiated the whole agility and HR piece, and then I was inspired by that journey, and then we connected again. Uh, with uh, the IC Agile pieces and agility in HR. So, so as I know Pia Maria, she's the author of an amazing book called Agile People. I have my Kindle version with me. I have my physical version with me. <laughs> and of course, she's also the founder of uh, Agile People as the company itself, uh, which is on an amazing mission because it's all about people. And I do not want to... Uh, introduce that in a very short way. Pia Maria, I'm going to request you to introduce uh, what the mission uh, is that you are on now and you know how we can all learn from that. Yeah, so it, it's really all about people. Everything we do in organization is about the people. So Agile People's mission is to accelerate the worldwide Agile transformation, we could say, through spreading these values of customer collaboration, energized people, learning organizations, you know, inspiring, really inspiring leadership and rapid change to all areas of businesses and organizations. And, and that's why we are so passionate about what we are doing, because we see that it's really only about the people and what the people can do. And how do we then release motivation and optimize everybody's contribution to uh, an organization where you have all the time to adapt to a changing reality, not 
not the least in this situation now with this coronavirus and what is happening around us is a perfect receipt of yes we need to be, <laughs> be agile we need to increase business agility and it's the people who can do that by learning and by by stopping to hinder people to be happy and perform with two rigid structures two rigid processes to give them the freedom to act there and where they are in their everyday reality so this is why we um we exist and that's why i created uh, and founded um, the brand agile people and what we stand for very nicely put and that brings me to my very first question uh, because with agile people since it's all about people releasing their intrinsic motivation you know to make these things happen and you mentioned business agility so my typical question would be of course when people think of the word agility we know it's almost always the it agility and everything else and here we are talking to you about people and agility in the hr space uh, so yes. so so my question here would be why agility in a, uh, you know the hr space uh, when you know at that time where you were already in that space people were talking about still it agility and other pieces so can you shed some light of the you know on the agility in hr space and that uh, starts us yes so the most limiting structures that we find in organizations are actually in finance and in hr and the structures that we are providing people with it could be processes it could be different tools it could be methods and models and policies these structures are um, driving certain behaviors and with the current structures of traditional organizations we are actually hindering or stopping people to perform better instead of supporting them to be able to perform at their best and being motivated and passionate about performing at their best being happy doing this together collectively so the biggest power here is um, is owned by finance and hr you know fixed budgets linked to uh, fixed performance targets and rewards, for example. And then the, you have loads of different policies. Take, for, for example, travel policies, etc., that are limiting people from, from feeling that they are trusted. And if you don't feel that you are trusted and you, that you have a basic level of psychological safety, you will not be able to be happy and perform either. So it's very much connected to the limiting structures that we are providing our people with um, so hr and finance we need to change and we need to instead of hindering people uh, make it possible uh, for people to perform and be happy by removing limiting structures and adding instead supporting structures and that could be um if, if we talk about the internal hr department of course they can use internally tools like Kanban's and um, Scrum, etc., to work internally in the HR team, because usually HR is working very much in specialized uh, areas, not together as a team delivering to the organization, but they are working very much alone in their own little silo. Either I'm a recruitment specialist or I am a learning and development specialist, or I work in the field of compensation and benefits, and we don't really coordinate our efforts across HR and deliver 
uh, to the organization together, but we are just, you know, dropping things all the time from all these different departments so that the organization has no feeling of a coordinated delivery from HR, but suddenly something just happens. There is a new policy here. There is a new performance process there. There is a new compensation uh, guideline coming in over there. And uh, this is something that we need to change. So the first thing is that HR needs to understand how to, to work together in a better way using, of course, the agile tools, methods, models, and values and principles. And then it's also about what, how are they working together with the organization instead of delivering to the organization? Now it's about delivering together with the organization. So they involve the organization in the delivery of the HR deliverables. And it could be still different kind of learning programs that you, you do a minimum viable course, you deliver a piece of it, you get feedback from the customers, you involve them in the delivery, you do the next part, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Same with, a, with a, an onboarding process. You can very much use value stream mapping for, for your recruitment uh, process and onboarding processes mm -hmm. uh, from potential candidate to onboarded employee and look at how can we make this process more efficient and work in a better way with our potential candidates. So all these uh, tools that we are using in software development can also actually be used for HR in different ways. And I've done this mapping in my book from the traditional way of working with HR to the more agile way of working with HR in all these areas. What does the change look like and how can HR departments then uh, move from the traditional way of working to the more agile way of working instead of limiting people, supporting people to perform and be happy. And, right. Um, yeah. So this is pretty much what the book is about. How, how do we make this shift? Right. No, you, you mentioned quite a bit of components already. And I think my questions are moving now in all directions, but I'm just going to come down first to the basic question and then jump into the different components. And I'll try and remember all the different aspects you put in. Because by default, if I say HR, everyone's, oh yeah, it's recruitment. But let's oh, not forget, yeah. <laughs> let's not forget, you talked of learning and development, compensation rewards, you talked of many aspects inside it. Yeah. And let's, let's try and get to that in a bit. Uh, but the more important component that you talked about is... HR having that agile mindset and trying to embrace those agile values and principles. And of course, we talk of, you know, the growth mindset when we talk about the agile mindset. So, yes. so tell us, Pia, uh, what's in your experience, and I'm sure this question's come to you like a million times. Uh, how does HR today feel, you know, with your experiences in terms of having this thrown at them? What does agile mean to me? What does this agile mindset mean to me or a growth mindset because when we have people in the IT piece it's already difficult for us to make them understand what growth mindset is in IT the IT yeah. piece of agile now we're talking of HR pieces there how is there a difference because you've worked on both sides so you can probably tell us I mean growth mindset is not HR related or software related or True. finance related or anything else growth mindset is growth mindset it's about seeing opportunities and possibilities 
instead of challenges and problems. It's yeah. about opening up for that possibility. Be open to learn, be open to develop, be open to take on these challenges and overcome them, right? And anybody can do that regardless of in what, what area you work. But it becomes an important prerequisite for hiring people in the future of work, I would say. The sure. people who you hire, they have a growth mindset because if, you, if they don't have it, it will be difficult to, to create T-shaped people. And T-shaped people is the goal of the HR department uh, to, to create uh, this mindset where you are willing to learn and develop and become more as a person. And then you can actually start rewarding this. How many different job roles did I have in the organization, for example? Is that a thing we can start rewarding to make people more T-shaped? Instead of getting even deeper, if you have 10 years of experience in a role, maybe we should start rewarding if they move to another job role instead, right? So you can play with this when it comes to compensation and rewards as well, uh, which is a very um, nice um, uh, way of using it. So, so I mean, gross mindset is, is really what we need from our future employees to create business agility in our organizations, regardless of what what role they will take or what part they will play very well said and it really has nothing to do with whether you come from whichever it finance marketing sales doesn't matter but it's it's very difficult for a lot of people to understand the fact that you know the agile mindset is not about an it team which has to just embrace it it's just about pretty much for anyone so you know that's a very good point and i did want you to shed light on that piece and how does hr think about it which now brings me to the next question. Uh, is agile in HR only for HR? Because you know, when business and IT look at HR, sometimes a lot of people miss the whole aspect of, you know, we have business partners coming in from HR. So if you call them business partners or whatever, how does the business side look at it versus just HR looking at it? Or is there a difference in the perspectives of these two? Or what does Agile and HR mean to either of them? Mm, it's more, I would say, about the principles and the value system than it is about the actual tools. Because, of course, tools can help us to do Agile, but principles and values help us to be Agile. And this is what HR needs to spread in the organization. But it's just as much about leadership, I would say. It's not just about HR. It's just as much about leadership because HR can do only so much without the leaders. So agile leadership becomes extremely important. So agile people is really a name for agile HR and agile leadership because it's nice. together they can change organizations and they need to go first. They need to show the way. They need to be vulnerable to create the psychological safe space. They need to, to show the way in terms of uh, how shall we act towards each other? What are the behaviors that we need to increase? And they should also provide enough, but not too much structure. Uh, and, and that's also how we then can gradually create a very great culture in organizations. And the culture, as you know, eats everything for breakfast, not just uh, structure. So um, culture is really the goal here, an agile culture. And uh, usually HR is actually responsible for culture 
uh, HR is responsible in traditional organizations for change management, organizational development, leadership programs, and all these things. So they have a lot of power in organizations. And usual, you know, employees, they don't even know what HR is doing, but they have a finger in most things that are happening in an organization. They know more than anybody else about everything that is going on in organizations. So they have a lot of power, although sometimes they don't perceive that they actually have this power. Uh, but, but it's also up to managers um, to, to let HR free, to, to use that power to help organizations to, um, to perform in better ways, right? True. Uh, so it's a good point that you brought there. And my question to you would be, of course, we look most of the times at IT driving the transformation. Um, so far, I think the global experience has been that somewhere in IT, the whole agile transformation has started. And we know HR should be in the front seat on that. And right now, it's mostly the, what we've seen is it's the other way. So yes. what's, what's stopping them today and why is it taking that long for them to take the front seat? Because I think they should be right at the front, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's very difficult for IT to drive a transformation uh, project. It doesn't work really because IT is only IT. <laughs> but HR has connections and a network in the whole organization. It's a lot easier for HR to drive uh, an agile transformation initiative, obviously, together with the leaders and together with everybody else. Why is it taking them so long? Because, you know, uh, traditionally, uh, this is not the way that they have learned to work. They have learned in HR university that uh, we should be policing the organization, we should providing very rigid structures, we should be the people who um, guide, uh, or not guide, but, but make sure that people follow our processes and systems and that they comply with certain rules. Uh, and they have been running the errands of leadership for a very long time instead of running the errands of the whole organization and the employees. Now this changes. When we move into this new paradigm shift from, if you are familiar with Frederick Laloux's work, the orange organizations, yeah. more green and teal organizations, this is a total shift for HR what becomes their role. So it's a, it's a totally changed role for HR and they need to learn that they don't know what to do now. They don't have this competence yet. But Sarita, you're one of the facilitators who will help to spread this yes. in the world. Right? And you're in India, so I have good hopes that you will be the one you know, teaching all the Indian HR directors and managers how to work in new and different ways. Because uh, this way, companies will benefit tremendously and it will go a lot more quickly and swiftly to do the change, right? So that's what I'm doing. That's why I've been traveling so heavily the last years because people just, how, what shall we do instead? You know, they are wondering. HR departments all over the world are, are seeing that the way we do things doesn't work in reality. The way we do things are old and traditional, but what should we do instead? And then I give them, uh, I give them um, some suggestions what they could do instead. How shall we work with performance management? Maybe we should start by not calling it performance management in the future. Mm -hmm. Maybe we call it performance development or just 
development or um, you know um, a, a retrospective or how can we continuously improve in a common direction with the help of modern agile tools like objectives and key results and, and other tools that could help us. Uh, so, so they really don't know what to do. And that's the problem. That's why it's not already happening. They are clinging to their old ways of working because they feel very insecure and very, you know, they have been a target for so much criticism and negative feedback for so long. So they, they, their self-confidence is also really low in most organizations. So that's why I think they are not moving uh, so quickly as we would like them to. Mm. So maybe that's a point where we can also talk about, you know, you could share and shed some light more on the different other different components, because, of course, we are speaking about compensation and remuneration, that that aspect. Uh, mm. If you can also share some aspect on what other aspects does HR really drive when they transform from the traditional way of working to the new way, of course, learning and development and maybe some other aspects, because otherwise it's not just recruitment. Right. So if you can share some more on that. Yeah. So all the different areas really uh, that we are looking at, the traditional talent management areas consist of a lot of different processes. It's about succession management, career planning, you know, rigid, strict career paths are totally changing. Succession management is done in totally different ways. It's learning and development, compensation and benefits, as you mentioned, is about recruitment, talent acquisition, it's about onboarding. It's about um, uh, what else? We have workforce planning. How do we work that in an, in an org uh, agile organization? How do we work with employment uh, engagement? Engagement. Uh, yeah, engagement service. It's also totally different. So all the areas, organizational development, it, it's not that, that we create an upfront organizational scheme anymore or... Um, design the organization up front, but it's an emerging uh, development of the organization based on the need of the people who works there. Uh, emerging strategies uh, are also replacing more traditional ways of working with strategies. And business planning, is, it looks totally different in the organization as well. Uh, budgeting, etc. Uh, we work with forecasting instead of rigid annual budgets and uh, yearly goals also disappear. Uh, imagine, I, I wrote, uh, I, I also read a post from Bjarte Bugsnes the other day here, and we've been working um, extensively together to provide a workshop where we uh, target finance and HR together because finance and they all need to put themselves in the same room and understand this together because otherwise if they don't break up the silos between finance and HR, we cannot, we cannot really change. And a, a yearly budget becomes totally useless when the coronavirus strikes. Imagine right. what is happening to all organizations budget planning that they spent so much time doing in the end of the last year. Uh, and maybe put so much work inside uh, for several months, you know, and now it's all useless. Uh, and this is a, an extreme situation, but I, this is just an example of what will this exponential 
VUCA change will do to us. Um, and this is a perfect kind of lesson that the old way doesn't work anymore. We need to be able to adapt and adjust to what's happening around us. Uh, so we really need to work instead of annual plans and budgeting, we need to work with forecasts instead on a monthly or quarterly basis. It depends on uh, the cadence of your own industry, we could say, uh, if you should do it monthly or quarterly. Brilliant. Uh, and that's yeah. the way we need to move forward. It's like there is a very big fog. You, know? you, are, you are driving your car on the road and there is a very big fog. So when we drive 10 meters, we see 10 meters more. And when we drive these 10 meters, we see 10 meters more. And suddenly there is a roadblock in, in that road. What do you do? You can't pass through there. So you need to, to choose another path. Can we go around it? And then the, the map becomes useless. A rigid map is not useful anymore. Instead, you need a compass. What is the direction that we are moving in? Okay, we need to make a small detour now, but we are still keeping the direction. We know the, the guiding star. We know our collective goal in what direction we are moving, but we don't know exactly how will that path look like. Um, there could be very different scenarios and we can work a lot with scenario planning here and, and make maybe five different scenarios and then you know you don't know which scenario will happen probably none of them will happen mm. probably it will be a mix of all these different scenarios that will happen in reality and this is the reality that we are living in today like it or not we need to to adapt to that reality so right yeah, very well said there. True. Uh, so I, I'm not going to ask you another question. I'm going to actually put a question to our audience right now, and we'll come to one or two final questions that I will sum up with. But I think it's time to get some uh, interactions. I'm sure people have a lot of questions. Uh, I think this question goes out to everyone in the audience. I know a lot of your organizations and probably all your organizations today are undergoing some form of transformation whether in just the IT space and I'm sure your supporting departments are all impacted in some way and the fact that you're also here to listen into how HR uh, agility in HR is you know being impacted or uh, working probably you're here to capture some learning on that so any questions from that perspective very welcome either you type it or just raise your hand and we can get you to unmute yourself and ask the question directly Yes, I'd be happy to, to get some questions. It's not easy to get Pia Maria's time, so I urge everyone to ask <laughs> questions if you have any. Oh my God, no, I'm, I'm not that important, Sarika. <laughs> That's not really true. Okay, I guess Suwarna, you have a question? Okay. Yes, Sarika. Please. Yeah. Uh, uh, so thank you so much. Uh, uh, I mean, certainly uh, from Maria, it was a very uh, fruitful thoughts to start with. Uh, so Maria, my, uh, just quickly to ask you that uh, we all understand that what are the benefits it is giving and all. But when it comes to the starting point, when it comes to the, okay, I have to start now or initiate this particular transformation on uh, HR side. 
then what should be the uh, low hanging fruits we should try to start with because it, it, these are all different aspects i mean uh, very very i would say broad aspects like compensations uh, and obviously as you rightly mentioned that we have to look beyond recruitments but we cannot target all these all the modules at the same time so when it comes to the transformation we certainly have to start with the low hanging fruits so which are the initial steps in your experience we should start with start with yourself is the first step and uh, help other to other people to create awareness about what's happening in the world and how we need to change and start to 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 do some experiments uh, start to visualize uh, your work uh, with a Kanban board or just put put it up on the wall or with a Trello board or something simple that is free. Start to visualize what are we really doing here and are all these tasks that we are doing on a daily basis necessary. So awareness is the first step. Training is fantastic. Coaching, look for, uh, for agile people coaches who can help you in this change. To, uh, to talk to HR and leaders, because that's where we need to start, right? It's the HR and leadership that, where we need to, to, to start. And these groups need to, um, to go first uh, and lead the way uh, for everybody else. But if you don't have that mature HR people and leaders in your organization, you need to start with yourself. And you need to try a retrospective, try a daily morning meeting, visualize your work, do something that could create some kind of, kinds of waves on the water that would affect somebody. Everybody has a circle of influence. All, always, every employee has a circle of influence. Start trying to influence the people that you have in your immediate, in your immediate um, group or, or um, outside that group as well. So that's what we can do alone, right? I agree. I agree with you. Um, and then training is fantastic. Uh, educate yourself. What does this mean for HR? We have a fantastic Agile People training program, which we are giving remotely now online. And, and Sarika will be one of the facilitators who will be able to help you to convince your HR people. Uh, and you don't even have to meet, right? You can do that remotely. And um, we have okay. also Agile leadership programs and we have Agile people coach programs and, and all sorts of programs. That, so what you're doing right now is also to educate yourself. So uh, we have webinars, we have uh, to, to enlighten people, to make them understand what, how can we handle this kind of crisis that are happening right now. What are the tools we have? What are the methods and models we have? And what are the principles we have to follow for decision-making? And what are the values that we want to increase and the behaviors that we want to increase in all our people? Because culture is all about habits, behaviors, and what we say and do to each other every day. That's, that's culture. Noted. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Well, that was very interesting insight, right? So you start with yourself and if you're especially the one driving change as a change agent, that's where you will start. And that's what we talk about, whether you start the transformation in HR or any part of the organization and we talk about change starts from within you. Uh, then, of course, trying to spread the awareness, uh, visualizing whatever work you're doing. And it's the whole agile thinking, right? 
because yeah. you are trying to eliminate waste in whatever is not necessary anyway. So, yeah. but visualize everything that you're doing. I, I really like Evan Leeborn's uh, metaphor with the tea pot. You know, you have a pot of warm water and you put in a tea bag and that's really how change is happening. It's, it's like the coronavirus, if you want. Uh, in the end, everybody will be infected, more or less, except for some uh, people, but maybe 70% will be affected in the end. But we, we want to flatten this curve, but maybe we want to increase the curve of agile virus in our organization. Oh, yeah. Or tea in the teapot. So uh, a change happens like that, the same way that you put a tea bag in, in a pot of warm water slowly diffuses into the whole water, right? The more tea bags you put in, the faster it goes. So the more True. people you have on your side, or the more people you can, you can persuade or create awareness with, the, the quicker the change will happen. Yep, agreed. So I have another question here comes from Jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. Any hints or suggestions on how to make executives and top managers to be eager to understand agility and to convince them to go for this? Yeah, so you need to speak their language. It's about, um, you know, managers come from um, a traditional, often they come from a traditional viewpoint and they've been working very hard to get where they are. Uh, they have increased their power, they have increased their salary status, maybe they have a very nice position, and they have worked very hard to get where they are. So naturally, they are very afraid of what is happening uh, with this agile transformation coming from everywhere. How is that going to affect my role? So this is something you need to be aware of. They are scared. So what we need to do is to create psychological safety for them. Um, and we can do that in different ways. Um, we can make them aware of the fact that they might not have to, to stop to work in the organizations. They will not lose their position. They will just need to understand how do I lead in an agile organization with an agile mindset. So it's a kind of different kind of leadership instead of uh, you know, finishing to work there or um, you, you just support people instead to, to perform and be happy just like HR does. And it's a kind of servant leadership, a coaching leadership if you want, but as long as you have the, the power to set somebody's salary or the power to fire somebody, it's really difficult for them to be a coach, I would say, to their employees. Uh, so, uh, that might not be the, the perfect uh, role for them. But, um, uh, you know, in an agile organization, what gives you status is more or less knowledge and competence. So if they are competent or knowledgeable about certain topics, they can also have high status in an agile organization. It just looks a bit different than in a traditional organization. So it's about uh, also talking about company survival do, do we want to continue to be competitive and successful in our market moving forward or you know um, do we want to be outcompeted by the faster smaller players out there and that's what made 
for example, a big giant bank in the Netherlands called ING. This was the reason why they uh, started to change their organization, uh, because they saw that the competition is coming from totally different places in the future. And to stay competitive, um, we have to change. We really have no choice if we want to be profitable in the future. So if you're afraid to lose your job because of the agile transformation, you should be as afraid to lose your job if we do nothing today about uh, the situation. So it's really a, a question that, uh, that all managers and leaders need to take seriously and understand the, the consequences of if they do nothing. And we can help them to understand that by, by talking about what's happening in the world. Um, that's what I think. Josie, does that answer your question? I think by the time Jersey replies, I <clears throat> I have a question. Um, mm -hmm. I love the way you use Agile Virus as a um, synonym. I use that uh, often in my coaching. Um, so um, we have we are doing a lot of things in terms of changing the structure of the organization to change the culture, and where and we have moved away from the traditional um, vertical hierarchy to horizontal management, where we don't report teams don't report to managers rather they are reporting based on their competencies and and have been working with HR uh, to drive that change uh, in terms of the agile mindset. Um, I heard you also saying that HR needs to either follow Kanban or Scrum which I also believe that it is to help the organization to see what they are doing, what changes they are bringing and how the organization can adapt. Um, unfortunately um, I was not able to um, sell the value of following a practice or a framework. From your experience, what? Um, you know, I've heard many Agile or HR people rather say that, yeah, we tried to have an Agile coach from IT, but it really didn't help us because they don't understand our reality. They don't speak our language. We, we don't see the, the meaning of doing all these practices, but you need to have somebody who has experience from HR and who understand their language. What is the succession planning and management? What, is, what are all these uh, words that they are talking about? Just like in IT, they have their own language. And if somebody who's trying to coach them don't understand that language, it's difficult to take that person seriously. That's what I've heard from them. So you need a person who knows both Agile and HR to coach HR, because then you can, uh, you can uh, adapt the framework to their situation. Or you come to our, as an Agile coach, you come to our Agile people coach to learn these concepts, because that's also something Agile coaches are coming to our Agile HR courses so that they understand how to speak to HR. You know, that's very common. We have three target groups. It's, it's HR people, obviously. 
it's also agile coaches who want to understand how can I talk to HR and how can I persuade HR and help them to change. And it's also leadership who, who, who are coming uh, to our course, courses. So these are the three groups that, that come uh, all the time. And I, I think it's necessary that in, in these um, exercises that we do together, they actually learn from each other a lot. And, and this is a very good thing. When you mix uh, Agile with HR competence, you get the best uh, recruitment Kanban boards, for example. I've seen that over and over and over again. When it's only HR people in the team and they are trying to do a recruitment Kanban board, you get a very strange Kanban board. If you have only Agile coaches and they try to do a recruitment Kanban board, you also get very strange and not so perfect Kanban boards. But when we mix competences, then you get the best ones. So maybe you should also try to work together with them. Okay, let, let us do this together. I can give you some advice and um, you know, give me your competence and I give, me, give you mine. And then we, we do this thing together and see how we can do small experiments and you know uh, try and fail and try again uh, that's my experience thanks thanks for that suggestion helps a lot yeah. mm -hmm. so i have another question for you pia maria um from srinath uh, typically where have you found agile and hr successful is it mostly in the large organizations or the medium ones or smaller ones all kinds of organizations it, well the smaller ones obviously are easier the startups are easier because they hr is already agile there it's always easier when it's a smaller organization but all kinds of organizations are moving in this direction now it doesn't matter if you're a government uh, agency or if you are um, a private company if you're a large it doesn't matter what industry you're in if you're a manufacturing company or if, or if you're a retail uh, company or whatever kind of company you are i've been working with ikea i've been working with banks i've been working with small online casinos and for, for a, uh, an online casino, for example, which is a startup, you would say, oh, but they know Agile, don't they? Uh, no, not all the time. They, they don't know in HR how to work with Agile. So we need to add some structure instead of removing structure, which I usually do in large organizations. In these smaller players, you need to add some structure, uh, like Scrum or uh, teaching them how to work with Kanban so they get some structure in their work because everything is happening just ad hoc all the time when they are growing very quickly in a startup. Um, so it, it's not like it's better or worse for a certain kind of organization, but all kinds of organizations need this in the whole world. Does that answer your question, Srinath? And do you have a follow-up with that? I would honestly have a follow-up for that. Huh? <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm still going to have people try and ask as many questions. Mm -hmm. So 
So while people still think of a question in, because you mentioned IKEA, and of course I know some of your experience because you've been sharing that with us as facilitators. Uh, my question to you, uh, Pia Maria, would be, so, you know, maybe not specific to IKEA in general, but for organizations that are as large as that, uh, when you drive an HR transformation, you know, into the agile space, uh, are there any typical challenges that, you know, very typically come up for organizations of that size? Maybe are there generic ones? I don't know. Well, it's not maybe the size that makes the challenge, but it's, uh, it's the culture in IKEA that is the real challenge because they have a lot of freedom and they are um, expected to work on a lot of different things. So there is a lack of focus. They also work extensively with different people in the world, right? Remote teams all the time. So we don't have co-location. Uh, that's another problem. Another problem is that they have very low maturity when it comes to, to agile and lean knowledge in general. Uh, so we need to get them up to speed here. Uh, and the way they do it is many times that they, they just change name. They, they say it's called now people and culture and now we're agile or we are running a scrum project but it's still the product owner and the scrum master who is talking 90% of time in the sprint planning meeting for example but they just call themselves different names and they think they are doing agile or uh, working uh, in, a, in an agile mode but they really don't so so there's a lot of a misunderstanding in these organizations about how do you what, what is agile? Uh, so we need to start from the beginning with them to really make them understand the mindset because it's not just about changing names. We all know that who are, who are working with, with agile. Uh, but they may think that, yeah, now we are doing agile because now I'm calling myself a product owner instead of a project manager. And um, they also have a challenge when it comes to how do we uh, because what's really important in IKEA right now is that they have this digital transformation that is kind of getting all the resources. So it's a digital transformation. They are firing everybody who doesn't have digital competence and they, um, they are hiring a lot of people with the right skills, let's say. Uh, and it's a huge shift towards selling online instead of selling through physical stores. Mm. So showrooms centrally in cities and, uh, and there you go and you look at the environments, but you don't purchase things. You purchase things online and they send it to you, to your home, and they help you also to assemble the furniture because that's a millennial uh, thing that mm -hmm. uh, millennials they don't want to do that themselves which is the um, basic idea of IKEA is that you buy a flat package and you assemble it yourself but the the millennials today they don't even want to do that so now they are uh, providing these services as well but that shift from physical to digital is taking up all of their um, effort and all of their people to such a degree that they are really not uh, aware of of agile in, in a from a larger perspective or the transformation that they need to change they have a lot of power but it's also a toothless power that the people have because 
they uh, they say okay do it however you want you are free to do exactly how you want but then um they cannot make the decisions that needs to be made because they don't have a budget they don't have uh the ability to do that um and that's in the whole culture that they have so much freedom but they are really not free because they don't get enough guidelines on what then are my constraints mm. so kind of passive leadership in a way that's sure that's a problem in that particular organization but all organizations have different problems so of course you can't really say a large organization is like this and a small is like that it's is very different depending on the culture depending on the history de- depending on your industry uh, you need to do different things you need to understand okay in this particular situation in this particular company these are the the things they are struggling with and it might not be the same things as the previous company you worked with uh, but it might be totally different instead and Ooh, that's and also that's... <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's the point I wanted to bring out because, so you know, my experience is a lot with banking. Of course, now it's gone more horizontal, but as uh, I've worked a lot with banks, everyone's like, oh, you must have seen this across all banks, you know? So I was like, yeah, but everyone has got unique challenges and that goes back to culture and other aspects. It's not just because it's banking and because it's one size of an organization. So yeah, but thanks for sharing that. So I have another question that's come to me. most of the times, HR is a shared function. So how do we meet midway sometimes? It's company policy, which cannot, uh, because sometimes it is company policy, which cannot be changed. And sometimes it is country or culture specific. So how do you strike a perfect balance in an HR transformation? Oh, <laughs> that's also a million dollar question. Um, I think... In many organizations, if, we, if you have a strong company culture, that will partly overtake the country culture. I've seen that in various Swedish organizations when I've been traveling in the world, that the company culture is really stronger than the country culture. So if you can create that company culture, regardless of where you are in the world, you, you are very successful, right? So that's a good thing. Um, I don't really got, I didn't get the question really. What, what was the question, Sarika? Can you? Sure. Uh, let me try rephrase that. So I think the question more or less says, since HR is a shared function, it's not dedicated to any business vertical or anything. So if there is a shared company policy, which lies within HR, and let's say that has to be changed. Now, it could be that there are things which are specific to a country that have to change. Uh, so let's say, you know, it's a global organization and I have to change a company policy, uh, which is across different countries and cultures. Depending on the laws and the regulations of that particular uh, country, of course. The, the work law and, and uh, the labor law uh, is different in each company. So these are the constraints for HR in each organization. Right. So, so I think the question, the question leads to how do you then strike the right balance in the HR transformation when these complexities start coming in, which is either country specific or culture specific, and HR is still being a shared entity or a shared function across all these verticals yeah. and countries. 
the, everybody knows that, or every HR person knows that you cannot have the same salary program or system, IT system in different parts of the world. So a Swedish company I used to work with, they had 178 different salary systems in the, in the world because there are so many different rules and regulations related to rewards and benefits. So it's the same thing. You need to, you know, do different things in the different countries here. The constraints look different, but the culture and the mindset and the principles can really be exactly the same everywhere in the world. And then we have different constraints depending on which country you're in, depending on the work law and the labor law. But I think that's, uh, that is the difference, really. It's, it's related to external laws and regulation in the different societies in different countries. Uh, otherwise, we are all people. But the laws yeah. and regulation, which we in Agile then interpret as constraints, we need to follow these rules, right? We, we can move within these rules, but there are some rules that we cannot do anything about. At the same time, of course, labor organizations are also changing and they want the best for their employees. So if HR is presenting, hey, we think that we do something good for our employees if we work with these uh, agile ways of thinking about salary setting, for example, uh, then it's possible actually to negotiate with unions and with uh, with the people on the other side of the table, they also want the best for employees. So it's not that you are exactly always tied to um, these laws, but it, it, they are up for interpretation from both sides, I would say. Yeah, I think the person, yeah, so the person who asked the question says thank you. So I guess it's been answered uh, because it okay. came to me as a private question. I'm just not saying the name. So not sure if I should. Uh, there's one last question that I'm going to put forth to you, uh, Pia Maria, that comes back from Jersey. Uh, listening to the IKEA story, it seems that the approach combining agility and some elements of not so agile way of working could be the right approach in some of the contexts. Would you please comment on that? I like the question. <laughs> yes, uh, it could actually. So. What, what you do is that you take the prerequisites or the conditions that you have and you do the best of the situation, right? So if you don't have focused resources or you can't pick what resources to have, you try to create the network, you try to, to find people who are engaged and passionate and you try to, to use them as much as you can. And you, you can meet virtually, you set up a Trello board or some virtual tools and work remotely with people. But, but at the same time, it's important that you use, of course, the agile principles and that you let people talk 90% instead of 10% in a meeting so that you don't act like um, an old-fashioned project manager, but you really act as a scrum master or, you know, you work with the, with the tools and methods in, in a correct way, regardless of uh, the limitations. You should always, I usually say, look at what you can do, not on what you cannot do. So you take the, the possibilities and opportunities you have and, and uh, do the best you can, always. And follow the Agile principles. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Jersey? Mm. Okay. Sounds good. 
So that was the one last question that we had time for. I still have one question for you, Pia Maria, before uh, we thank everyone and yourself. Uh, my question here is, what would you say are maybe three, uh, two or three, or a couple of takeaways that people should have when they think of agility in HR? You know, what's maybe the first thing that should come to their mind or some learnings yeah, for- that you would like to leave us with? Involve HR in your transformation initiative. Invite them to meetings and and let them know that you know about Agile and that you can share your Agile knowledge with them. I think that's crucial. If you look at IT, they are kind of saying, oh, but HR, they never want to do something. They're just so, you know... Uh, uptight and, and they are not interested in, in, in Agile, but, but did you actually invite them to your meetings and did you ask them for advice? And, and I mean, they also need to be coached to understand the, the advantages of, of Agile. So I think that's the most important thing for IT to understand. And um, yeah, uh, agility in HR is, is not so different from agility in IT or agility in in other areas, but the reason why they play such an important role is that they have so much power when it comes to structures that are permitting the whole organization. So that's why they can be a very powerful friend here um, to to have by your side and to help you to drive your agile initiative. Um, So find a friend in HR and start talking with them, buy them lunch and, uh, you know, start to socialize because it's about psychological safety and when they feel psychologically safe you can really you know do wonders together and so psychological safety might be number one and also to uh, to know people deeply because that always helps Uh, we are sitting so separately we are upholding our silo thinking all the time it is also doing that I mean, uh, they are not different from HR or other groups. So a body system could be a very good thing to introduce and to to give the tip to HR to introduce a body system in the organization so that people mix automatically between different functions. Because if you stop that discussion and idea generation between different functions, then change will happen a lot quicker. Brilliant. Very well said. Thank you so much, Pia Maria, for joining us today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for making this session even more engaging uh, with really powerful questions. Uh, Thank you all, and have a good evening, everybody. Thank you, Sarika, for inviting me. Very nice to be here, and I'm happy uh, that I joined your uh, Perspectives of Change. Good luck. Thank you.